Let us prepare our hearts and minds to hear a word from the Lord. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, send your Holy Spirit to us. As we meditate on your word, open our hearts and minds to receive and understand the scripture that we might be transformed and forever changed in your will through Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. Amen. Today's Old Testament reading comes from Psalm 32. Psalm 32. Listen for the word of the Lord. Happy are those whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Happy are those to whom the Lord imputes no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. While I kept silent, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not hide my iniquity. I said, I confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all who are faithful offer prayer to you. At a time of distress, the rush of mighty waters shall not reach them. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with glad cries of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Do not be like a horse or a mule without understanding, whose temper must be curbed with bit and bridle, else it will not stay near you. Many are the torments of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds those who trust in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This morning, I'll be reading the New Testament scripture from Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 3 and 11b through 24. Listen for the word of the Lord. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow comes, welcomes sinners, and eats with them. Then Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided the property between them. A few days later, the, young, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country, and there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout the country, and he began to be in need. 
So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare, but here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one. Put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And get the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, use me as your vessel to speak, to speak your truth. Be present with us through the power of your Holy Spirit. Now let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Today's sermon title is God's Great Joy is the Restoration of the Lost. Luke chapter 15 includes three parables that speak to the lost and the found. Verses 3 through 7 is the parable about the lost then found sheep. Verses 8 through 10 is the parable of the lost and found coin. And verses 11 through 32 is about the lost son who finds his way home. All three of the parables end making the point that repentance of a sinner is a joyous occasion and reason to celebrate. However, only the parable of the prodigal son includes the details of what happens when one of God's precious beings is lost to sin and makes the journey home to God. You have heard the prodigal son story many times before. It is a common story among those familiar with the Bible as well as those who have little or no Bible knowledge. Many of us know a prodigal son. Some of us are the prodigal son. So why is Jesus telling this parable here in Luke chapter 15? The context is found in the two verses, the first two verses of this chapter. You see, Jesus was drawing and attracting the wrong crowd, tax collectors and sinners. 
The Pharisees and the scribes did not take kindly to Jesus' hospitality to sinners and tax collectors. They thought it was inappropriate for Jesus to address and break bread with the likes of those considered to be sinners and not part of the religious elite. So Jesus wanted all who were listening to get a better understanding of the lost and found theme of this story. He presents to them this parable with a father who had two sons. The younger son went to his father and requested his inheritance. Now, the father's younger son was out of order with his request for his inheritance. Traditionally, the inheritance is passed down from father to son or sons in this case, and comes after the father dies, at which time the oldest son would receive a double portion and the younger son would get half of what the eldest received. Requesting an inheritance before a father dies is dishonorable and unfavorable in the Jewish community. It's like saying, Father, you're dead to me. Usually, a son would inherit the property or land after the death of the father. Asking for an inheritance before the death of the father sends a message, I can do this on my own. I don't need you, and I don't need the help of the family. It's like cutting oneself off from the family resources. The scripture tells us that the younger son requested property in verse 12 and squandered property in verse 13. Bible scholars note the Greek uses two different words for property in verse 12. The son asks for usia, an objective word for financial wealth. The father shares with him bios, one of several Greek words for life. Luke uses bios to describe both the woman who exhausted her life's earnings, bios, on doctors in chapter 8, verse 43, and the widow in the temple, who out of her poverty put in all she had to live on, bios, chapter 21, verse 4. The father does not simply divide his assets. His skin is in the bequest. Now the father could have objected to his son's request for his inheritance. After all, the request was a break in normal Jewish tradition. The father could have said, hey son, I'll give you half of your inheritance. If you handle it well, I just might give you the other half before I die. Or, he could have offered to give the inheritance to his son at a certain age or upon marriage. I know growing up in my household and my family traditions, I would have received a flat out no to a request for an advance of my inheritance. But this father was unusual. The scripture does not tell us if the father had a reaction to the request, good or bad. 
We do not know if he tried to explain tradition to his son or if he tried to talk his son out of the request. The father responded counterculturally to tradition. The scripture tells us he divided the property between them. That's it. No questions asked. That reminds me of a time when one of my children called me after work and said, I packed my things and moved out today so I won't be home. I went right into 21 questions mode. Why are you moving? When did you decide all of this? Where did you move to in such short notice? Can you afford it right now? As a mother, I had a right to know those answers, right? Then I went into triple M mode, mad mom mode. I grumbled all the way home from work. Better not take any of my furniture. My dishes better be in my kitchen. The nerve to move out of our beautiful home. And that's without asking for an inheritance. I'm afraid of what I might have said to my child if they had asked for anything out of my house, let alone an inheritance. Did I say that my child was an adult, gainfully employed, and able to live on one's own? While my child's story is not a prodigal son story, my response as a parent was a far cry from that of the prodigal son's father. I did not think my adult child was ready to leave the nest. I did not have a supportive attitude. The father of the prodigal son was special. Then the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country and there he squandered his property in dissolute living. That young man must have lost his mind when his father gave him his inheritance. I mean, coming from a culture where inheritance is dispersed after death, he must have been thrilled that his father broke with tradition. The younger son probably dreamed of all the ways he would spend his money traveling, seeing the world and experiencing new things and meeting new people. Maybe he felt like some of us feel uh, when we're going on a long-awaited vacation. You just can't wait to get away from the daily grind. You think of all the things that you're going to do or maybe not do, how you're going to relax and do whatever you want to do whenever you want to. The younger son probably blazed a trail getting away from his family with all of his new property and wealth. However, when he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. How many here know that when you are fancy free, acting like there is not a care in the world, trouble can sneak up on you in the least expected places? The late vocalist 
Billie Holiday said it this way in a song called God Bless the Child. Money, you've got lots of friends crowding round the door. When you're gone and the spending ends, they don't come no more. I imagine the younger son felt like he was on top of the world in another country, spending his wealth on finer things in life until his money ran out and famine came. How would you feel in a foreign land without money, food, shelter, or family to call on? In verses 13 and 14, he gains everything and loses everything, feast or in famine. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. One break in tradition begets another. Bible scholars indicate the Greek kalan does not mean hire, but it means to bind oneself closely to another, unite with, cleave to. The younger son must identify with that country in such a way that the Jewish identity is not only defiled, but expunged. The Jewish community, for them, pigs, were unclean animals. The younger son, now destitute, is forced to fend for himself any way that he can, even feeding pigs. But the younger son did not care. He was in need and hungry and so hungry, he would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating. Desperate times call for desperate measures, and the younger son was certainly desperate. But out of his desperation and despair came a revelation. He came to himself and realized that there is no need for him to be hungry in a foreign country because in his father's house, even the hired hand has enough food to spare. I can imagine the younger son's mind began to race as he remembered how great his life was with his father as compared, compared to his current condition. He rehearsed how he could return home and seek his father's forgiveness and offer himself as a servant. He rehearsed how he would confess the, his sin against his father in heaven. He rehearsed what he would say to his father because he was humbled by the experience. He recognized the error of his ways and sought to make right his wrong. Out of desperation, the younger son came to himself, was moved to action, and went to his father. What the son did not expect in his return was his father's response. 
The scripture says, but while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. His son could hardly speak all the words he had rehearsed before his father came with open arms, showering him with gifts of a ring and robe and ordering a feast, a celebration in his son's honor. Brothers and sisters, no matter how far away we stray from God, God is always waiting with open arms when we return, ready to celebrate our lives in Christ. So what is it we can glean from Luke's passage on the prodigal son? What does God want us to do? In last week's sermon, Reverend Nelson spoke about three things of repentance. First, recognizing and confessing sin. Second, proclaiming the debt Christ paid for us. And third, being grown by God to be more Christ-like. Luke's passage on the prodigal son is about repentance and being restored to God. What we glean from the parable of the prodigal son is we can come to God just as we are. It is really that simple. The younger son was in a pit feeding pigs in a foreign country and hungry when he came to himself and realized he could go home. God wants us to know our home is with God, and we are always welcomed home to live with God in Christ. Second, when we come to realize that we come home, that we can come home to God, we can put it into action. What I mean by that is that we have to turn in the direction of God. We cannot just move and act in the same way as we did before coming to our senses. We have to act in a new way, just as the prodigal son. We cannot stay in the pig pen feeding pigs. We have to get up and make a move towards God. Read the Bible. Pray. Join the church. Participate in the ministries and live in faith that Jesus Christ died for our sins. So many start out in the right direction towards God in Christ, but do not turn the corner to make the sacrifice that keeps them on the trajectory towards God. You cannot do what you did before. You can't stay in the same mess. You have to get up and take action, just like the prodigal son, and walk in the direction of God in Christ. Finally, and most important, we glean from this passage the character of God. We see it in the father of the prodigal son. He was special. He was unusual, the scripture tells us. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. The father said to the slaves, quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, 
put it on him. Bring a ring and put it on his fingers. Bring sandals and put it on his feet. And get the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Bible scholars tell us in ancient Palestine it was was regarded as unbecoming a loss of dignity for a grown man to run. Yet the father, this special father, set aside all concerns for propriety and ran. He moved by compassion, and his joy carried him down the road to his younger son. The father's summons for a ring and a robe for his younger son announces to all that he is receiving his son and all the status therein. Also, eating meat was reserved for special occasions, and in doing so marked the immense joy that the father had when the return of his son, who was lost, was now found. Beloved, God is overjoyed with each and every one that returns to God, with each sin that one repents. It is a great cause for celebration when one that is lost to sin is found and made new again in Christ. Brothers and sisters, let us always remember that God's great joy is in the restoration of the lost. Amen. If you desire to turn to God and live your life for Christ, God is waiting with open arms. God invites you to come as you are to our triune God, and he will celebrate with you and move closer to God in relationship. This is God's invitation to discipleship, and all are welcome. Won't you come?